Hello, and thank you for joining This Is Just A Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Just a few quick reminders before we get started with this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the Facebook group at This Is Just A Phase for any updates on past and present guests. If Facebook isn't your thing, head over to my Instagram account at jonathan.kent.311 for a lot of the same updates. Also, do yourself a favor and head over to thisisjustarecordlabel.bandcamp.com and check out the new release by the Northwestern Pennsylvania hardcore band Letters and their new EP. It's a repressing of their self-titled 2015 EP with additional live tracks, two of them being from the legendary Mind Rocket Studios in Pennsylvania. Um, you could go ahead and pick that up for $7 plus shipping. Uh, it comes with a digital download and stickers. Um, also, you can also check out that release and releases by Gatlin and the This Is Just a Compilation Sampler. So head over to thisisjustarecordlabel.bandcamp.com. That being said, Jay, take us away. And you've got no self-esteem There's a hole inside your head With no vision to be seen Let's go Let's go Let's go Every day wake up with the same morning On this episode, I'm super excited to sit down and chat with Christian Miglarisi of the bands The Fills, The Tattletales, and The Lovables, as well as his Spotify podcast entitled What's Good with Christian. We discuss his career and time not only doing The Fills, but also stories about his time playing in The Tattletales and The Lovables. We also discuss his affinity for pop music the genesis for his podcast, some insight into his songwriting approach, and I learned the backstories of some of my favorite tracks. So sit back and dig the sweet sounds in this episode of This Is Just A Phase. Starting things off is a song from his 2016 EP, Dead Skin, entitled Purple Heart. Feel the sting So bad it's sobering We've been around for too long now To not waste time on the The less 
Hey, what's up, man? Does this yeah. sound okay? Yeah, you sound perfect, man. Awesome. That's the I like it when people say I sound perfect. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, after the delays, I had to I had to lead into something something nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have been me leading in with something nice because I was a dick. No, you're fine, man. I I totally understand what happened to you on Thursday. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, as somebody who works and has kids and has pets of his own it's it's totally understandable and not not a big deal weird cool but uh christian thank you so much for being on the podcast man thanks so much for wanting me to be on the podcast it's a pleasure 
Oh, I've been I've been wanting to have you on for quite a long time. I was just kind of waiting for the right time to get you on. Nice. Um, I've been a fan of uh, what you've been doing with the Phils. God, it must have been. I think you. I think. I think we became friends on Facebook about maybe like two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably. Well, to be honest, I think I only started. Uh, I only started a Facebook because of the pandemic, and so it was probably two-ish years ago maybe just slightly less than that because i think i came back on facebook around april of 2020 when the pandemic kind of was in full swing and that's kind of and that's kind of when i started doing less facebook on my wall and more of the facebook groups right yeah Um, yeah you know what I, i i like around like 2017 i just got really burnt out on uh, people on my wall and like you know all the political bullshit that was going on at the time yeah and, oh uh, yeah true you know and my buddy i ran into my buddy stiv at a show in ohio stiv reynolds yeah stiv reynolds yeah good guy um, good great guy i've known him for for a long time um we we kind of come from you know we come from the same scene out here and yeah in uh the youngstown area but um yeah, like but, Hollywood Blondes and all that stuff. Hollywood Blondes, yeah. Johnny Three, that whole totally, thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that 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 comes up quite often on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. That only makes sense, right? You know what? And it's hard. Like you know, you know, I I, I joke with people all the time, and it's like it's hard when there's like like you live in New York City. Yeah. So New York City is a is a hotbed for tons of music. I mean. You know, one oh, no, the one of the first places punk really broke out, and yeah, uh, you guys also have like a crazy indie scene, and you guys have uh, a crazy pop punk scene, and even later on, like the emo scene in in, in New York and in Jersey, yeah, um, in although, the early 2000s. Although, I do think that New York gets a little, I mean, I say this as a New Yorker, but mm-hmm. I think New York gets a little bit too much credit sometimes because. There have absolutely been these really like important um, pockets of time in mm-hmm. uh, New York. You know, obviously like the CBGB's time and uh, you know the the hardcore mid '80s and you know and there's definitely been we definitely had a great pop punk scene in New Jersey, New York City in like you know 2000. I don't know four to maybe like 2010. I'm just arbitrarily giving times here, but but when oh, yeah. but when it's not great, it really sucks here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the complete barren wasteland of of bands and and it's it it's not some hotbed of incredible bands and music like 24 seven. It's like this thing that's mostly all right, but then has these pockets of incredible iconic scenes that like really give it a shine more so than other places that's how i'd view it anyway oh yeah the way i'm the way i was viewing it is more like we're comparing a city of 10 million people comparative to youngstown which on it's on a good day was a hundred thousand (laughs) people yeah so it's really hard like youngstown was known for a long time for being a hardcore town you know one mm-hmm. of the steel mill towns much like pittsburgh and cleveland mm-hmm. and the biggest band in our area was a hardcore band called uh crowd deterrent okay and they're like kind of like tough guy one crew kind of that 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 style of hardcore 
Right. And that's what we were known for for a long time. And then like the early 2000s with um, bands like Johnny Three and the Reynolds and the city was kind of starting to uh, the bands were becoming more fun. You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. let's try to be a tough guy. Let's try to I mean, we were all kind of nerdy and <laughs> you know, you know, like skaters in the and, beginning of that uh when when the bands began to get like more fun as you said was mm-hmm. there was there a cross pollination of a lot of early like ramones core bands playing with those uh traditional youngstown like hardcore bands was there um, a lot of bills where you kind of played together for a while and then kind of br- branched off into your own scene or was it just your own thing from the start you know what there there, there was there was a time that i moved away i was living in pittsburgh for mm. like about 2000 2001 yeah do you ever go to the and, smiling moose yeah oh yeah smiling moose and club Lauda yeah and i love that Bar. venue the only thing i didn't like about the smiling moose was dragging the equipment up those damn stairs yeah <laughs> but, log, log it was even worse sometimes yeah man, could you sometimes you have to go up to like the third floor <laughs> oh fuck yeah. man <laughs> yeah that was the that was the rough time about being in a band for oh sure. yeah, for sure. Especially <laughs> when you're a drummer. Like, like yeah, poor drummers, man. Yeah, I was a drummer briefly, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> I respect that, man. Drums are the one instrument I cannot even pretend to play. Like I can sing what I want the drummer to to play to him, but I can't mm-hmm. actually do it at all. Like at all. And I always, yeah. always wanted to learn how to play drums. So even even I, if you're like a rudimentary drum drummer, I'm I'm impressed by you. I used to joke around that I was like the the uh, Mo from the Velvet Underground. That I, I was kind of <laughs> like her as like a as a pub drummer. Like I I knew the basic four four. I could keep time. I didn't do anything flashy. I just I played and got the fuck off stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, that sounds like to me you served the song at least most of the time. Well, I was a bass player originally. Yeah. So we 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 had a bass player in the band that I was going to join, and so I was going to play second guitar. Well, we had a drummer, and the drummer just never showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And that that my, happens. That happens. Oh yeah. And my buddy was like, "Well, John, you play bass. You can keep basic rhythm. Why don't you hop on the kit?" And I'm like, "I've never touched a drum set. I'm like 22 years old. Yeah. I'm like, you know, teach te- teach somebody that like later on. It's like." I don't even know where to begin. Where do I put my feet? Where do how do I move my hands? I'm used to working just four strings and your mm-hmm. typical three, four chords. Right. And like it just it, it, it I never got comfortable at it because I, I I like kind of being up front. Yeah. I and being in the back like that, I, I just didn't I didn't care for that. You should have been one of those drummers that uh, aligns their drums with the rest of the band in the front. Oh, yeah. Can I do like a Phil Collins thing or yeah, something? <laughs> or actually, my favorite band of all time is a band called Jellyfish. They made two records, one in 1990 and one in 1993. I know who Jellyfish are, yeah. Yeah, and Andy mm-hmm. Sturmer stood up and played the drums in the front of the stage. Like, And it was so cool, so cool seeing that. That is really cool. I liked what band was there? Uh does i'm trying to remember there was another band that i saw where the drummer was kind of like he would play almost kind of like in the middle and and then the bands like each of me i think they were a three piece it wasn't china drum was it 
maybe, <laughs> but I just know that they played almost in a straight line. Yeah. And the drummer would play in the middle and the guitarist and the bass player would play like next to him. I kind of dig that, honestly. Like, it yeah, doesn't bother I, me at all. I think it's kind of Yeah, cool. I think I saw a band do that. Might have been, might have been in Pittsburgh. It might have been maybe like, like, I don't know, Mr. Smalls or like the Altar Bar, one of those places. Mm, okay. But I can't remember. But I wanted to answer a question, answer your question from earlier that you asked me before I forget. You asked me if the scene like cried across connected. Yeah. It was really weird. Like I had got done playing music by 2004 because my daughter had to be born early 2005. Okay. So my friends were playing in another band and they were more kind of like a street punk band. Right. And they were playing with bands like Johnny three and uh, the Reynolds and stuff like that. So there, there was cross connection. I don't know how much from hardcore to pop punk, but they were definitely mixed bills. Yeah. And the bands I were in, we, it, I'm in a little town called Newcastle, which is like about 50 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, kind of in between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, close to about 20 minutes from Youngstown. And uh, the bands I played, and we always played with like metal bands because like half our town was like playing new metal. And we were like so the standout. Yeah, we were the only like we were like one of like two punk bands in, in the whole town. Yeah, Man, which I, for a town of thirty thousand, that's not too bad. I know? fuck with so many styles of music, but new metal has never been something I could even sink my teeth into a little bit. You know, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I was thirteen when Corn came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. So, that's a decent excuse, actually, because like yeah. you're just dripping with rage, and you're like, I hate everything, and. <laughs> it, it, you know what it made sense because like we had we had hard like i mentioned hardcore earlier like we were in, i i got into the local scenes pretty early on and it was like all the music that was coming out of our arrows was heavy anyways whether it was like cleveland and like ringworm and integrity or it was pittsburgh and bands like submachine and caustic christ caustic christ is such a great band name so, so, such a great great band name and great band <laughs> yeah um but like so it kind of made sense that like all that stuff was coming out because at the same time we had all the victory record stuff. So yeah. you had like bands like the refused, you had bands like buried alive, you had bands like that. Yeah. Everything was super heavy. So it kind of made sense that we were, we were getting into bands like corn, which the only band out of new metal that I still listen to, because I will always defend them that they're not a new metal band is Deftones. Oh, I wouldn't call them a new metal band. No. I, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call it. They it's, get it's just, it doesn't have that, like, I hate my dad aesthetic to it, I don't think. Deftones have a more authentic, genuine uh, vibe to them. Also, you know, as somebody who just, I love two of their songs, and I love the Be Quiet and Drive. I think that's one of the best songs of the 90s. Mm-hmm. I agree. Have you ever have you ever listened to their cover of uh, Saw Day's Ordinary Love? I have. It's really cool. It Dude, is really it's cool. So good. It's like one of my favorite like modern day covers. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, it's not the type of thing that you maybe would expect, but then once you hear it, you're like, no, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and as somebody and, and and having got to talk to you over the past several years, the thing that I like the most about 
you is that you're unapologetically into pop music. You oh, yeah. don't you don't try to hide the fact that you listen to Dua Lipa or you know yeah. what I mean? Oh my god, yeah, no, why would I? That fucking album slaps and she is an absolute queen. I love Dua. Dua has like single-handedly taken the pop music scene of like uh other areas of the world and infused like a disco funk thing to it. Like she mm-hmm. I don't even think she realizes how influential influential that last record was. No, I don't. I don't think she. I don't think she does. And like, like, if it wasn't for people like you and my kids, who are attracted to to modern pop music because it's easily accessible, especially for younger generations, like I, I wouldn't have gotten into. I wouldn't have given things. I think the the attention. Right. Yeah. The fair shake. Yeah, I wouldn't have given them a fair shake. Like my first thing. When I heard like Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. my first thought was, "Oh yeah, I've seen that." We called her Fiona Apple. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My whole thing was to automatically dismiss her as being another, another, you know, depressing singer and blah blah blah. Yeah. But but then I listened to the lyrics and I went, "This is really a good song." Yeah. Like this is legit a good pop song. You know, same thing with. Um, I know one of your one of your favorites is Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, I could talk about Carly Rae Jepsen for the, the, the entire hour that we. You talk. knew, you knew, <laughs> you knew I wasn't gonna walk away from this conversation without bringing her up. Man. Now you know it's so funny too because the song that everybody knows is um you know um uh, call me maybe and I don't she know. was older when that came out wasn't she carly yeah carly's like i think she i forget how old she is now i think she's like 33 or something like that i was gonna say she was she was a little older when that song because yeah, i guess people, she's from canada people thought she was really real real young but no she was like a grown-ass woman when she made that song and the funny thing is like i don't even really like that song it's fine so that was i think what 2012 that song came out and then a few years Something down like that, the line yeah. i kept hearing little rumblings of carly ray jepson's got this album and it's uh it's a modern classic and nobody's paying it any attention now. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Yeah, right. Sure. You know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Because I heard, heard that one song and it kind of annoyed me. Because it just sounds like a, it's weird. Call Me Maybe to me it just sounds like a garage band demo. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I've sort of aged all right. But but then I finally listened to this album called Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. And my mind was blown into bits. Like, I couldn't believe the melodies I was hearing the lyrics, the the influence that she drew from so many styles of music, so many eras of music, and the fact that she was writing this stuff. I mean, she's got co-writers and stuff, don't get me wrong, but like she writes generally the melodies and the lyrics and like her sense of melody just blew me away. Like she writes hooks like nobody's business and I'm still, still wrapping my head around it because so she, she released Emotion, right? The album is incredible. She recorded so many songs for it that she couldn't even put on the record that she had to release emotion side b which is another eight songs that could have been on the album and are good and are better than most people's first shot at the album and this is b-sides off the album and the crazy thing is she's also got so many more songs that are uh unreleased that could be emotion side c and uh and her uh her fan base routinely shares those songs all the time so i have 
all these songs too so like it's not an official side c release but <laughs> it's got enough songs to, to to be on it and then then she put out dedicated which in in my opinion is like just as good maybe more than emotion and then again the same thing she had so many songs that were so great she put out dedicated side b and it's it's just it's as good or better than the first one and she just blows my mind and she's gonna have a new record this year and it's absolutely one of the things i'm looking most forward to I don't know, like people give like I, I we grew up. I'm, I'm gathering you're, you're you're close to my age. Grew up as '90s kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 42. You, okay, I'll, I'll be 41. So, um, when like I think the '80s and '90s of how we grew up, everything were, was kind of more lines were a little bit more blurred. Like it wasn't odd to see um, bands lean more popular. And mm-hmm. like the early nineties to me and this, the stuff, like when I listen to your music, the thing that I like is that it almost takes me back to 
when bands weren't afraid to be a little bit poppier and to get noticed. Right. Like, like one of my favorite nineties bands of all time. And I will, you know, I used to call them my guilty pleasure, but they're wait, not. They're just wait, wait. I think band. I could I guess who you might say? Who? Counting Crows? No. Oh. <laughs> Good guess though. Yeah. Uh the Gin Blossoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, give me a break, man. Incredible band. An incredible band. New miserable experience. I know Stiv really loves them. He's always posting them drunk on Facebook. I love uh, it. <laughs> oh, I know. They're so they're so fucking good. And like people wanted to shit on them so bad. And I'm like, but listen to those lyrics yeah listen found to out that about melody. you is one of the best songs of the 90s period P- period and even like people people don't people tend to not really give congratulations i'm sorry it's due but yeah. it's just as good it's a really great record i don't know if i would say it's just as good but what i do is i take like my favorite eight tracks from it mix it with like my favorite eight tracks from new miserable experience and just kind of listen to it as a playlist and some of those songs are just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, do you, do you know the story behind "Congratulations"? I'm sorry. Um, I think I did, but I'm 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 forgetting. What's the story? One of their um, they had two guitar players, and their one guitar player killed himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like right as they were getting was, famous. Yeah, he was one of the main. Him and the singer were the main two songwriters. Mm-hmm. So. After they got big with New Miserable Experience, and it had been a couple of years, I think it's like three years between the two albums. Yeah, um, basically, they had to like restructure how they wrote. Like other people were helping, like other people in the band were helping the singer write songs. So the lyrics, the ly- lyrically, it's not as strong, but yeah. they also took a super long time to really make the songs as good as the ones on the first album because like they were down a prolific songwriter you know who wrote shit like hey jealousy and i found out about you you know what i mean um so yeah that was really hard on them and they like they that's why a lot of people don't i don't think they people don't think it's as lyrically strong yeah but i still go back and listen to those songs and i'm like god damn this band was so good as long as the lyrics aren't like offensively bad, I and they're just like kind of standard lyrics. As long as the songwriting is great, like I'm I'm there for it. Like I don't I don't need like John K. Sampson le- weaker than's lyrics for every band, you know. Like oh it, no, it's nice sure. when it happens. It is, but um, yeah, those songs are great. Like I don't, I, I, I certainly didn't think oh, this is cool, but the lyrics are a little worse. It just didn't register to me for whatever reason. And it hardly ever registers. I'm super impressed by incredible lyrics, and um, I cringe at super ter- terrible lyrics. But mm-hmm. 80% of lyrics don't move the needle at all to me. They're just kind of like, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. To me, a lot of lyrics are just uh, the fuel for a song. You know, like, here's the chords, here's the harmony, here's the, the like, I don't know. But Do yeah, that's think- a great record, too. Do you think? Do you think? Because because I know I know you've been playing in bands forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, do you do you tend do you have a tendency to 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 be more moved by what you're creating musically as opposed to lyrically? Then, like, do you feel like you spend more time on the actual melody and the actual song structure as opposed to the lyrics? Um. Yeah, I would say so. Um. Yeah, by far, but also like I for the so 
the last four songs I've recorded are um well, she's probably not thinking of me. Uh, twice, no age at all, and uh, is everything all right? Everything all right, yeah. Yeah, and then the, there's also a cover, but but all three mm-hmm. of those songs were written the day before I recorded them. Um, oh, really? Yeah, like so. <laughs> it's kind of bad. Res- as somebody who who writes, like that, that is awesome. I like the spontaneity of being able because I'm the same way. I could write. I, you could give me, hey, John, I need an album by tomorrow. Yeah. I can sit here and write you 10 songs lyrically and be like, hey, see if any of these checks out. Totally. And I could do the same thing if you gave me uh, a deadline. But if you yeah. give, but if you don't give me a deadline, I never finish anything ever, mm-hmm. ever. So that's what happened. Like, I, I got the inspiration to record new music finally, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's like it's like mid 2020, I think. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to call Rob, the guy who records me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I booked time like three months in advance or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, I got three months to 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 write this song. Like, I'll really craft like a great song. Like, I can't wait to do this. I never did anything. I never wrote anything <laughs> like oh, the, the wow. weeks and months approached and I had nothing written. So it literally came down to the wire where the next day I was set to record with Rob and he's like, Hey, send me a demo of what you got. Just so I like, have a rough idea. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm sweating bullets. I'm thinking like, Oh shit. Like I don't have anything, but it, it inspired me like in that moment. Like I remember it was like 7 PM the night before I like, I just wrote the whole thing and I didn't even finish the lyrics till the morning of, because I didn't have to be in New, New Jersey until like 10 AM or something. And I, I get up really early. So I remember yeah. the morning of like, putting like uh some of the chorus lyrics in and it's only a deadline that allows me to actually finish anything i think i just get too much in my head if i I don't it wasn't always like that i used to sometimes i would write two to three songs a day you know and i don't know if it's always going to be like this now but it's been like this for a couple years i don't know if it's like a a covid thing or a depression thing or you know all of that mixed together or what but it's been hard but but I've been really happy with the songs, you know, it's been kind of weird how somehow the songs that I write in a day and then record have like stayed with me longer than some of the songs I've like, you know, really like slaved over for a long time. You know, it's weird. You you know, you know what it was like, I, I, I like the stuff that I heard early on. Um, um, She's probably not thinking of me as everything all right, obviously the cover, but last year when you came out with twice, no age at all. Dude, that song fucking rips, dude. Thanks, man. Dude, I've listened to that song probably ten times over the last like day and a half. I like it's so good. It like I I, it's it's a it's a I hate I hate using the word because I think it's so overused. But it's it's like an earworm, like it just like the melody and the lyrics, and it just like it sticks with you. It's one of those songs that just like you're humming along later on, and you're like, "Holy fuck, dude! I heard that song like three hours ago. Like, Damn, why man. am I still humming this song?" Thank you, I appreciate that so much. I'm so grateful to hear something like that. Yeah, and I'm... it was it was a little heavier too. Yeah, man. Same thing happened, man. Like I had. I had a couple of months booked ahead of time, didn't write shit. And like, 
a couple of my like a couple of my friends had committed suicide and mm-hmm. uh, I was in a really 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 dark place and I had no you know I had no plans to record like a like a much harder rocking song like I didn't have a plan period I just kind of like I was really depressed and I was sort of going through my own suicidal idolation in a way you know not really but like I was really kind of like in a bad place my my it felt like I was in like this like hazy uh panic attack mm-hmm. for the whole for the whole like night i was in a really really bad place and i just remember i don't know i just remember hitting an f sharp minor chord and just going damn it damn it and i was like okay and then i just tried to like imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes and just like missing them and like kind of mm-hmm. trying to connect with you know uh to empathize with what they were talking what they did you know and i don't know that song just came out like and I, I don't know it just it came out and i've never really written a song like that in fact when we were recording it the next day i was singing it a lot differently i was singing it like full voice and it just wasn't hitting the mark it wasn't like mm-hmm. it wasn't making me feel anything until i was like you know what let me sing the verses really softly and then we'll, we'll then we'll just jam the guitars even higher and I want it to sound like you're in this hazy, like fucked up place, which I which I tried to get um, represented by the album cover. My friend Glenn mm-hmm. from Obscurus Vinyl. I don't know if you know him. No, I don't. He uh, he's in a band called Pavid Vermin. Oh yeah, I've heard Pavid Vermin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he, his name's Glenn, and he also has a really popular Instagram account where he makes like fake album covers called Obscurus Vinyl. It's hilarious. Oh. You should find, you should um, you should you should do um, follow him. It's really funny. Yeah, I need but, to check that out because yeah. I, I think I might somebody might have sent me something. Like, Probably like, did. Like a yeah, or something. In fact, we we collabed because I made like a. Uh, never mind 30th anniversary edition where it was just the penis on the cover. Oh, okay. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's all made it. It was so great. But yeah, Glenn's an incredible graphic designer. So I, I asked him like, can you, can you make the album cover? Like look like you're in someone's head if they're like dealing with depression and suicide. And he, he, he knocked it out of the park. You know what? And that's really cool that getting the backstory of the song yeah, the last two years have been so strenuous on people mentally. It's been insane, man. Um, as somebody who who has, uh, you know, I have a bipolar, and um, somebody who struggles with depression very easily. Yeah, um, it's hard. You, it's it's that sense of cabin fever and depression yes. on top of it, and news media constantly berating you with information and becoming overwhelmed and both being on the, you know, the Eastern part of the country, snow, you know, no sunshine, miserable, like depression and suicide are a real thing. Yeah, it really is, man. And, uh, you know, more, more people than we even realize go through it. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they feel mm-hmm. like it's weak, but I feel like uh, you got to talk about it because, you know, some people probably, maybe you can't help, but I feel like some people who are teetering, I think if, um, if they only 
if they only like saw that it wasn't as stigmatized as they think it is, if like they mm-hmm. were just able to talk about it with some friends, I think like we could, we could save a few of our friends, you know, just mm-hmm. by talking about it and being honest with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so it's so hard, like especially in our generation, you know, we still kind of fell in that weird generation where we were told, "Hey, be a man, suck it up." Mm-hmm. you know suck it up buttercup you'll get through it wipe some dirt on it you know what i mean you'll be yeah. fine man up all oh, that absolutely all that typically m- macho things yeah because our the generations before us weren't talking about being sad yeah or needing us or 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 feeling like they need a mental health day like nobody nobody was saying things like that but i think the stigma is slowly going away with it because we're learning more about how much our brain can handle or how, and how interconnected our, our brain is to our emotions and and how we process information and feelings that like people are starting to realize that maybe we need to talk more about this. Maybe we need to do uh, have more research based on and, and take that stigma away from it. Yeah, totally. She's probably not thinking of me She's probably not thinking She's probably not thinking Probably not thinking of me I like knowing what Twice is about And it, you know, it's Even though it's um, a rough topic for you that you were going through at the time. Like, I definitely can can see now why why it why it plays the way that it plays is is learning that backstory. It's a yeah. great song. Thanks, man. Appreciate um, that. You know, I'm also you're welcome. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your career um, because when I first started talking to you, I just knew you as Christian. 
you know, Chris Jen. <laughs> the way, <laughs> yeah. the way you write your name out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and didn't realize that you were in a band that, well, two bands that I had listened to uh, many, many years ago. Um, that you were in the Tattletales and uh, briefly for the first two albums with the Unlovables. Yes. Um, with Mikey Erg and Haley Bullet from the LLC and Hiccup. Yeah, and Frank and Chelsea. And Frank, yeah, and Chelsea, yeah. And uh, what, Adam also? Adam? Adam in the band too. No, I think that was just one of her friends. Yeah. I recently uh, listened to John Jughead's podcast with her on it. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So I um I actually forgot that you were on the Unlovables and then she had mentioned you and I went, oh, that's fucking right. I fucking forgot about that. Oh, did she actually mention me? Yeah, she actually mentioned you. She went by your your other name though. Oh, oh, Stephos? Stephos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little scared to listen to that too because Hallie and I used to be really great friends and then uh she she decided that I wasn't a great friend and to be honest she was right and because i was like a 25 year old like idiot and mm -hmm. I, it's one of the one of the things i miss the most is our friendship and i miss being in that band so much so yeah i wish hallie and i could be friends again so i was a little worried about that interview because i was like oh no i hope she doesn't say anything about me but <laughs> oh no it was it was super cool like i i i, I have a crush boyfriend heartbreak yeah and I just, I don't think I ever just, I don't think I ever put two and two together, obviously, because I Man, realized I, you were in the Tattletales. Yeah. Man, I, it's so funny, dude. Like, I, I'm literally on that album, Crush Boyfriend Heartbreak, but it, I think it's one of the best pop punk albums ever. <laughs> I do too. It's so <laughs> like, I'm a little, I, I can't be modest about that album, man. We <laughs> fucking killed it on that album. And, when I first met Hallie, she came into Hot Topic when I was working there in like 1999. She came oh. in with like uh, like teen idols and like screeching weasel pins on her bag. And I was like, who is this fiery redhead who's, who likes the same <laughs> bands that I do? And like, you know, at the time, like there was no like uh, there was no like messenger or Instagram. So we just got her email. Mm -hmm. And when we when we met up in New York City, like she played me. I saw a bass in the side of her uh her apartment and i was like oh you play bass she's like yeah I write songs and i think she played me punk rock club and uh crazy about you off the first ep okay and, and i was like we are starting a band right now <laughs> like, i couldn't <laughs> believe how good it was like yeah she's an incredible uh songwriter yeah i, I missed the hell out of her I, I, that that's great i i like i said like i have i'm sitting there i have that cd in my collection Never would have thought in a million years, and then I listened to that. I listened to her episode on John because I've had I've had John on the podcast, and yeah, John rules. John's so amazing, um, you know. And then and then like I, I she mentioned you, and I'm just like, holy shit! I've been sitting on this album for like almost twenty years, and not even realizing that I that that you were that you were a part of that band early on. Yeah, and but I I love the tattletales too. Like I, I have uh, hearts in tune as well Thanks, um man. and like i said we first started talking i didn't even realize you were in the tattletales until you know i got into the fills i mean that's how i that's how that's how we came in contact oh, that's with funny yeah that's that. cool yeah um and i and i I, want, I just wanted to bring that up um for anybody who who's listening like not only check out the fills but check out the tattletales and then the unlovables uh first couple releases as well with yeah. you on it check out the unlovables before you check out the tattletales they were better 
<laughs> Whoa! I had so much fun in that band, man. I like have. I, honestly, it's so pathetic, but I have like daydreams about having a reunion with all of them, and like it's so pathetic. But I really have daydreams about that. Like that's how much fun I had in that band. I just mm-hmm. wish that could happen. You want to know one thing? One thing that I have learned over the last couple of years is if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. If you want to do it, do it. You may have to swallow your pride. You may have to, um, you know, admit some shit that you weren't, that you couldn't admit when you were younger. Well, I was a complete asshole. Yeah, like when, we're different dickhead. people. Yeah, we're different she, people. She was completely later. right to be like, "You're not a great friend." I wasn't. Listen, I, I've I've had people come to me over the years and been like, "Listen, John, when you were 23 years old, you were a piece of shit." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," because I was 23 years old. Yeah, you know, I'm I mean, playing I've done in, shitty yeah. things at 33 years old, but the, the, I think the 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 amazing thing is growth and just learning mm-hmm. that like you're wrong too. You know, <laughs> like yeah, you do fucked up things, and you got to atone for them, and you got to be better. It's just trying to be better, right? You know what? And that's really what it is. Like, like I don't know, I don't know how it was for you, but when when I started the podcast, I I had just turned forty, and I had been so afraid to do things, and and got inside my own head, obviously with depression and stuff like that. Like you second guess yourself, anxiety, all that. And it just literally comes down to the point is like I was turning for you and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah. Like, damn it. Like I'm I'm, you know, not yeah. to be morbid, but I'm middle aged now. Uh-huh. I have two teenagers and a middle schooler. Yeah. I'm you know what? I'm at the point in my life where I'm just like, you know what? I can do these things. I just gotta do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's you just sometimes that's really what it is. You just have to do it. Like that's it. <laughs> you just have to do it because we're just so we're just so scared of every little thing, you know. Like I'll yeah. tell you what, man. I've always wanted to act. I I got um I got um headshots recently, and I'm going to start going on auditions because I know I can do it, and I've always been scared to do it. There you go, I'm man. Do, do it. it because I know go. I can, and I also understand that if, as an actor. Like apparently, like ninety nine percent of your answers are no. So I'm gonna take that with stride and and, mm-hmm. and understand that it's probably even if it doesn't happen for me, having having gone for it will will feel good. And that's why I made that's why I made a podcast too, because I was mm-hmm. like, fuck it, like I can't I can't find a podcast that has like power pop, K pop, French pop, and pop punk all together. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll make one. <laughs> so exactly, what's good with Christian? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. You know, like that's it. Like I don't even care who listens to it. I love everyone who does, but you know, I do it because I want to do it. Period. You know. Congratulations to you, and I hope you, I hope you do good things with the acting, man. I, I wish you all the luck with that. Thanks. Yeah, it should be fun. You're welcome, man. Like that. That's that's the thing. Like just recently, I. I started a record label too, because I, I kept telling myself, Hell like, yeah. I always, my dream, my, ever since I was young, cause I got into music so young mm-hmm. and like so much music at a very quick amount of time. Like, obviously, you know, the nineties, we were exposed to so much music so fast. Oh, I know, dude. Yeah. Like, when i heard when i first heard green day and then i got that first lookout records catalog seeing 
all those vans listed, all the descriptions. It was it was like a kid in a candy store, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then like seeing like the the thank you lists from bands you loved, you're like, oh, that's a cool band name. I'm gonna check them out. And it was just nonstop, nonstop mm-hmm. information, nonstop feeding. And it was like so much to take in. So much. And 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 you know what? And my dream was always to do a record label or uh do a record store and um I went to a show in August and I got to see my friend's band uh, have their first show in like, what was that, like five years. Damn. And I was sitting there going, I was like, wow, this it was kind of one of those moments where it was like a double-edged sword. Like it was an amazing time and I was so happy being a part of it because it was the first live show I had seen in like, God, what was it, like 13 months. Yeah. Um, And I, but a, a part of me walked away a little sad and I was just like, my wife was like, why was it, why do you feel a little sad? And I was like, cause I'm watching, I'm watching bands that nobody also know. Right, 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 right. You, I know what you, you mean. And I've been like most of the bands that I, that I've been a part of in, in the scene, like, you know, there's a select few that, that, that get attention. But for the most part, most of the bands just fall through the cracks yeah. and then, you're looking back later on and like your buddy's like, dude, I got this seven inch from this obscure band from member from Albany, New York, you know, like here. And, but like most of that stuff gets lost to time. Yeah, it does. And I just said, you know, and I looked, I, and I messaged my buddy and I was like, Hey, do you want to do a label? And he's like, okay, how much do we need to start this? And I was like, I don't know. Let's put like 400 bucks together and let's do it. Yeah. And we fucking launched the record label in October. And like, I just fucking did it, man. And yeah, now you did it. Now it's done. Now you have it. You know, like mm-hmm. you have to just think about it in those terms. Like, yeah, you, you finally did it and now it's done. And that gives you this. That should give you the same, um, you know, uh, spark for anything else you want to make, anything else you want to do. It's like it's just doing it. That's the most crucial part of it, you know? Yeah.
girl She's got a nice guy by the balls And she You know, but it was the same thing when I did the podcast. I didn't know how people were going to take the podcast. Yeah. I didn't know if people were going to want to talk to some 40 year old dude from Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah. you know, but it, 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 it's, you know, I did it the right way. I, I, I did it with the first couple episodes were people that I knew directly. Yeah. Whether it was a couple of my buddies from a local scene or Jay Prozac or Zach Puzzkill, like, I slowly started doing episodes with people that I felt comfortable with. So by the time I started talking to people that I really didn't know that I had already kind of learned how to do the podcast. And totally. I was, once yeah. I did that, then it, it became a lot easier. Not that there hasn't been hiccups along the way, yeah. but you know what I mean? It just became easier. And then it gave me a little bit. And then when I had John Jughead on, it was like, that was such a confident confidence booster. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know if this is the same for you, but what what actually what gave me a little bit of inspiration and like a kick in the ass to actually make a podcast was looking at my favorite podcasts going all the way back to their first episodes, whether mm -hmm. it's on YouTube or Spotify and looking at how different it was and how worse it sounded. I'm doing air quotes here mm -hmm. and then realizing like everyone starts from somewhere. So you just mm -hmm. have to start. You have to get it started to get to some place that you eventually want to be. And if you don't do that, you'll never get to that place, you know? Exactly. And one of, and one of my, um, influences to start the podcast is there's a, there's a one called uh turned out a punk oh i love that show oh yeah do with with uh, damien abraham yeah. yeah 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 from fucked up that that's one of the best music podcasts period yeah and i listened to the early episodes on and like he didn't know what the fuck he was doing yeah not a clue and this dude was on fuse dude he was hosting shows on like much music and shit dude like Exactly. Like, exactly. You're just gonna you're gonna naturally get better at what you're doing, and you're gonna naturally evolve, and it's gonna crystallize into something that's completely you. And you have to start at that awkward place where you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But it doesn't even mean that the early episodes are bad. It's just that they're so different, and they, mm -hmm. you know. I just discovered an early, uh, a newer one. I mean, it's not new, but newer to me. Um, it's called uh, Peer Pressure. Peer pressure. Or, uh, peer pleasure. I'm sorry. Peer pleasure. It's uh, this dude Dewey who was in a band called Portugal the Man. Okay. Yeah, I know of them. Yeah, and uh, he was also in a band called I Am. I think he was in I Am the Avalanche. Also heard of them. I don't know if that's like my style of music, but I think I. Are they like post hardcore? Or no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like um. Yeah, kind of glass jawy, like that kind of that kind of stuff. Maybe my borderline screamo. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of, uh, that, that New York scene, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I discovered him and like, he does like a thing, like he, like his first couple episodes, like were like people, like I didn't really know, but people that he knew. So like, he kind of started his podcast the same way where yeah. he was reaching out to people that he had relationships with first, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 
And I, I don't know, like it kind of made me feel better about not trying to reach for um, people that I didn't feel comfortable with just because I wanted name recognition. Yeah. Um, I just wanted people that like I knew had my corner. And early on, people that had my corner were, like I said, Jay Prozac and Zach Buzzkill and Nick Spoon. Yeah, I love um, Jay. Yeah, they're such great. He, oh, he's such a great dude, man. Jay is one of the nicest guys in in pop punk. Period. Oh, I'm lucky enough. Uh, he already broke it, but uh, at the end of April, um, my record label is putting out um, the very first Prozac's demos that he recorded in Cleveland with uh, two of the members of the Vermins. Nice, yeah, and uh, and John Galvin made the art, right? Yeah, John Galvin. Yeah, from, I love yeah. that kid so much. Kelsey Bad Grammar. Oh, he, dude, that first of so all, great. yeah, Kelsey Bad Grammar rules. But John is just one of the most pleasant guys I've ever ever come across. I tell him that he's so creative that he needs to write a screenplay. Like, oh, he does. He's absolutely. So awesome. I keep I keep bugging him about it, and I just want to say it on this podcast too, John. If you're listening, you got to make that screenplay. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be fire. Cause you are so good at what you do. Yeah. I, I need to meet up with him. I don't, I think we're only a couple hours away. Oh, you definitely have to meet up then. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's maybe not towards Cleveland, but maybe like towards like the center of the state. Okay. Yeah. Actually, um, I don't really remember where he lives. Yeah. I know it's somewhere in Ohio, but I know like, yeah, he's one of those people <laughs> I definitely got to connect with. Like it's, once every, uh, I just sent him them. a kick-ass 12, 12 inch figure in the mail and i already forgot where i sent it to <laughs> <laughs> yeah ohio findlay findlay finley oh yeah okay, wow that's... i just got that in my my i just remembered that <laughs> oh okay my my brother used to live over that way so that's yeah that's about, was, about, yeah. about four hours away <laughs> john's yeah. listening to us like man they're really talking about me yeah really <laughs> well i just i think i don't know i think he's i think he's just one of those people that just could could do a little bit of everything yeah good guy you, you know like he has like in you know i know he's younger but like that doesn't fucking stop him man he just he goes full throttle anything, man if anything being younger is a is a good thing for him you know? oh exactly yeah. exactly he hasn't been he hasn't been jaded by <laughs> by being old yeah. yet <laughs> you hear that all you young listeners just go for it you're young do it do everything <laughs> but yeah like i'm really excited to uh be working with jay and that's something that he came to me about um while he was while he was working on uh doing stuff for his solo album and stuff like that and he was like well why don't we work together yeah and i was like um yes and please thank you yeah like <laughs> you yeah. know i've been listening to you since your cheap skate record days like why wouldn't i jump at this opportunity <laughs> yeah his old band the grand pricks played with the title tales in like 99 or something like that oh they, okay yeah they came through tour with this like disastrous show that i put together like there was, <laughs> oh, so, no there was so many bands but the, the the real problem was that the guy who who owned like the space the vfw hall like mm. came to the show and he's like because i think we were supposed to have like two or three more hours to go and he's like you have you have like 45 minutes to play. I don't remember exactly how it went, but he, he cut us off. So all like the four bands that had yet to play had to play like two song sets or something. It was terrible. Are you serious? It was horrible. Yeah. People still give me shit about that show. <laughs> oh man, that's fucked yeah. up. But, but anybody who knows what it was like playing these like VFW or like social club halls, 
Yeah. Like you were at the mercy of like these yeah. fucking weird, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I weird mean, I was, like, rules and years shit. Old and like I think mm-hmm. people just like to give me a hard time about it for fun. Which yeah, I like <laughs> I was gonna say, like one of one of my favorite bands growing up, I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're called the Torpentines. I don't um, think I've heard of them, no. No, they were they played with bands like uh the Peabodies and mm, It Only um, Hurts When I Think is a pop punk classic. Pop punk classic, yeah. And um I remember seeing them play. I mean, they were playing basements and like nights of Columbus Halls, and they're like 16, 17 years old, and they were like throwing these shows. Yeah. And it was like so bizarre to me because I'm like, I'm the same age. I'm in the crowd going, I'm, I barely can wipe my ass. And these dudes are fucking promoting <laughs> fucking VFW shows and shit. I'm like, that's fucking bananas, man. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I I did that for my hometown, man. When I was living in like Nyack, I found this little art center and I called I called them up and I was expecting them to tell me that renting a hall for a night would be like, you know, four or five hundred dollars or something like that. The guy goes, For the night, mm, how's a hundred bucks? And I was like, Yeah, I think I can swing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have these incredible shows with like really popular like new jersey bands like humble beginnings and like i I did midtown play one of my shows i don't remember it was like lane meyer and like these these, like bigger local-ish uh new jersey bands and the and i mixed it with like the new york pop punk scene and just like some ska bands at the time i mean it was like 1998 so ska was pretty big at the time Mm -hmm. and i was you know 200 kids would come and i was able to pay the venue a hundred bucks. I paid every band so much money and still left with a profit. Like I was putting on shows like every other week and it was a great time. And I don't, I think it must've been me going to a local VFW show in New Jersey that gave me the idea of doing it in my own hometown, but it was really just yeah. that easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool that like that kind of like, cause I've heard a lot about the, like the early early two thousand like late nineties, early two thousands, New Jersey, New York scene and how like it was just very it was very much like what it was like over here. Like yeah, you know, you played basement, you know, be, like you mentioned Midtown, you mm-hmm. know, you had these bands that were um just kind of doing it very, very underground in basements and uh, social clubs and yeah. um doing that kind of stuff because like when, when you're growing up you're like oh this is i bet everybody i bet i bet you in new york and new jersey like they got like all these cool killer clubs and then you find out like no they're playing shows exactly how we play shows here you know we they just played a fire hall too like we just played a fire hall you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, so dude. i think that's kind of i think that's kind of funny that like one the, the more i knew about that scene the more i was like okay this kind of like grassroots thing is going on in big, big towns too.
before I let you go, I, I wanted to I wanted to pump you up a little bit <laughs> and uh, talk to you about one of my favorite songs, two of my favorite songs you've ever done. Okay, uh, Purple Heart, mm. dude. Dead Skin's a great EP, and whatever I have to do to get a physical copy of that, I, I will do. <laughs> I will I will sell my firstborn. Man, uh, I yeah. I've been <laughs> ever since it was released, I I I wanted it to be a physical release. Uh vinyl would be amazing, but I I you know, I guess uh Adele ruined that for everybody apparently. Adele I'm just kidding. I'm just everybody. kidding. Everybody you're fine. Um no, but yeah, uh thank you. Know, you. Kenny Pro Rock said it was the reason we're sticking with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, um, it's so good and it's it's so like you start out like 21 or dumb and like purple heart kicks in and like it just takes me back to and i and i'm, and I'm not saying you sound like these people but like it reminds me of stuff like matthew sweet oh, or yeah. like all american rejects yeah and all that kind of a jimmy eat world where it's like you're not you're not trying to be fucking cool. Like you're just putting out really good pop punk power pop, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Putting out just really good songs. And like the first, like that, well, not even the first, however many tracks, the whole fucking albums. But by the time you get to when things were good and then it's like, that's the point where it kind of slows down a little bit, but like the first three songs are just like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, they really are. And that was on purpose. And purple heart is my, one of my two favorite songs on that CD. That's cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. And the other one being glassy eyed. Nice dude. Thank you. Nobody ever talks about that song. I think that's one of my best songs. Dude, that is, (laughs) dude, that song is so, let me tell you about that. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about Purple Heart. Um, that song is a like a, I guess it's a love song, right? It's like a yearning mm-hmm. song. But it was about a, it was about a girl, Bridget, who was kind of Republican. <laughs> no shit. So that's why it's called Purple Heart, like my blue heart and her red heart. And I was trying to like mix it together, so it's called Purple Heart. <laughs> oh. And uh, yeah, I wanted to marry her, man. But uh, it, it, we're still friends. I love her. But um, <laughs> yeah, I um, I I got really stoned, and I came up with that dun 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 dun, and I was just vamping on that for like three days because I recorded it, and I was just I kept listening and listening and listening. I could never come up with a melody that really like hit me until you know I don't remember exactly when I wrote it, but like one night I was like you feel sing, and I was like ooh wait a second <laughs> i think mm-hmm. i finished like the rest of it that that day and i remember the bridge in that song was a happy accident and i don't remember exactly uh how it went and i can't really describe exactly what it went but like when mike the guy who was recording it like was like editing a vocal he did it in such a way where he played the vocal without playing back one of the guitars and i was like wait you know like that's how it should be like you know you should drop one of the guitars out and exactly just yeah, yeah yeah and it changed the whole feeling of the bridge and i was like oh i love recording you know because that's how that's how cool stuff happens so i ended up i recorded purple heart first 
and I was gonna record more songs with the same guy, Mike. And I guess he just he didn't have time or something. So he's like, let me suggest to you my friend Rob. And Rob was in a drive-through band called Hidden in Plain View, who were like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I remember that band. Super yeah. popular drive-through rock records band. And so I, you know, I heard what Rob did. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's super pro. Like, I, I would love to record the rest of the songs with him. And met him, and he was a great guy. And we, I booked, I believe, five days with him for the Dead Skin EP. And we finished it on day four. And on day five, he was like, well, you know, you, you booked a, another day. You might as well come tomorrow, and, you know, we'll maybe we'll just make something or whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. At that point, I wasn't really, ha- I didn't really have the confidence to like write a song in a day, but I, it's not like I hadn't done it before. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I got, I got home and I'm sort of like ruminating. I'm like, how do, what am I going to do? And I remembered I had a little voice memo that was just like, and it was the, it was the beginnings of Glassy Eyed. And I just showed Rob it in the morning and he's like, yeah we got to make a song with this. And then we just wrote a song together. And Rob was just like kicking ass on the, the, like the, uh, the MIDI drums. And he was like making like all these cool sounds with the drums. And yeah, to me, to me, that's like a Rob and Christian song. Cause I feel like we really yeah. did that together. And he, he's so, so, so good to work with. So if there are any bands or our songwriters who live anywhere close to New Jersey and you want to, have like a great recording and a great time. I would definitely go to uh, Audio Pilot Studio with Rob. Rob Freeman, so good to work with. And yeah, I love that song, man. It's so different from everything else I've done. It's almost like electro pop. It's got a mood to it. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what. It, that's exactly where I was gonna go with that. Is that Glassy Eye definitely stands apart from the other seven songs on that. Yeah. Because it's like you said, it's almost kind of like electro pop but still kind of power poppy right yeah maybe new way like it's it's really hard to pigeonhole it but it's just it's one of those songs like i i walked away from going god damn that should be on the fucking radio thanks like that's one of those songs that like people need to hear this i wish and like it was so good and i just i don't know i'm a fan of all your stuff with the fills i i think what you do you need to record like way more because like i would buy up everything you have um thanks you know once this pandemic goes away like maybe you can just start putting out more stuff (laughs) yeah maybe i should yeah Baby. I was thinking about maybe doing this thing um, where I took the Dead Skin EP and added the three songs that I've had recently and just kind of putting it together. And I, I it's just a thought that I've had in my mind. And You should uh, do it like a, like a full discography or something. Yeah. Put the cover like on that, it or whatever. Yeah, yeah you should, man. Yeah. yeah, let me know, man. We'll, we'll talk after this, man. Okay. You know, that's I, – I, I just – and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on so bad is just because I feel like, I feel like you, you just, you, you unapologetically are who you are. And like, there's no bullshit with you. There's no posturing with you. There's sure. no hiding behind what you're into. Yeah. 
people are so afraid. Like I even said earlier, like, oh yeah, my guilty pleasure was, you know, the gin blossoms or toad the wet sprocket. Now at forty years old, I'm going. That's not what well, that was. Well, that's not a guilty pleasure. This wow. is a, these were great bands. Yeah, uh, dude. Adele was a great singer. I like her. I like Dua Lipa. I like uh, Twenty One Pilots. I yeah. like all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know. And I don't know if that comes with age, or you know, like like a guy joke around. I was like, I've spent twenty seven years being a part of the punk punk scene. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Yeah, man. Like I don't have to be some kind of like punk police or or some kind of um, I don't know a gatekeeper about mm-hmm. what is cool and what isn't. Like I'm at yeah. the age where like I've earned my stripes. You know what I mean? I just don't give a shit when people say, yeah. "Oh, you have bad taste in music" or something, or 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 this sucks. Like I just don't give a fuck because. Not you know, I know that ninety five percent of people who follow me on Instagram or or or, or Facebook when I post like a, I don't know like a K pop song or something, I know most mm. of them are like I don't like this shit. The fuck? But honestly, I've gotten so many friends into this stuff, and it's only mm-hmm. because I've posted it. You know, so I'm happy if five percent of people even check it out, and then like two percent are like, "Yo, Christian, thank you for playing that." You know, or thank you for telling me about that or posting about that. Like. My favorite thing in the world is to share music, you know, like it's, yeah. it's the best thing in the world. And I think it, in terms of like not being ashamed of this or that or this style, I've said this on a few podcasts, but I'll, I'll try and summarize it too. Like it doesn't matter if you're playing metal or punk or folk or pop or R&B, we're all doing the same thing. Like every songwriter is, you know, putting a melody over chords, over a rhythm, and we're all kind of doing a, an intro, a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus, a bridge. Like we're all working under the same um, structures. And the only thing that really differentiates styles of music is the way like certain instruments are, are prominent in the mix and this or that. Like we're all just kind of doing the same thing. So when it when people are like, oh, that sucks. I'm like, why does that suck? Like that's a great song, great melody. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't sound like John Cougar concentration camp, but like, yeah. you know, like it's good. If you wanted to pick up a guitar and play it like that, you could. Like that's what a good song is. If you take a good song, you can play it kind of like in any style, you know, and that mm-hmm. just proves to me that like songs are songs. They're just intangible patterns of sound put together in a pleasing way, you know, and mm-hmm. that's really I don't mean to like take the feeling away from music or the, the um, genuineness of music because that certainly exists. You know, that's a thing that I'm, that's important to me too. Like I was saying, John Cape Sampson is the best poet in the world. Like, and when I listen to the weaker thens, I literally weep, you know, mm-hmm. but like I can also weep from the right four chords in a row, you know, like, and that's just as important to me. Like hooks in songs aren't just the la 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 in the chorus. Like a hook can be a little guitar part. It can be a drum fill. It could be a little synth line in the back. It could be a it could be a um strings kind of like floating in the background. Like anything that like anything that hooks you in is great. And it that's why I love every style of music I've ever heard, you know? Like it's just like you can find that in everything. 
and you know what and you said something earlier where you're like you know and i'm not trying to take the importance out of you know music or anything you're actually you're actually doing the opposite it's it's here it's it here's the thing like if you write a really good song it can be it can cross genres yeah you know we watch so i mean look at like somebody like bob dylan mm -hmm. not the greatest singer in the world wrote <laughs> really good pop songs yeah even though he played a folk guitar he wrote catchy pop songs yeah okay corn being a metal band wrote had songs that had a poppy hook yeah okay you 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 watch you listen to all the remember all those um uh, what record label was it um they used to do i think it was i'm trying i can't remember the name of it there was a record label that used to do the uh pop goes punk or punk goes pop oh yeah 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 i, I oh yeah what was that label was it wasn't it, hopeless wait didn't vagrant do those no, I don't think it was Vagrant. I don't think it was Hopeless. But it was one. Oh, Fearless. Mm, okay. Fearless Records it is. If pop songs weren't meant to, like, were, like, so, like, no, then why do punk bands cover pop songs? Yeah. And not just, like, modern pop songs. Punk bands cover CCR. Punk bands cover The Beatles. Yeah. Pop punk covers Cheap Trick. Yeah. Like, think about it like it's all interconnected it's just how you play them but at the root of everything everything being made is some sort of quote unquote quote unquote pop song yeah you want your song to be heard you want your song to be popular whether you admit it or not mm -hmm. you know you can sit there and posture and be like Oh, I just want to put music out, man. I don't care if anybody likes it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really, Chad? Are you yeah. sure about I, that? I don't. Yeah, I don't buy that shit either. Every band I've been in, I wanted people to like my songs. Mm -hmm. The songs that I wrote, the songs that I played on, I wanted people to like them. Yep. You know what? And I think that's true of the majority of the people that make music is they want they want to make something that's going to stick with people and, um like and accept and, and want to be a part of yeah totally yeah it's the name of the but, game yeah it's the name of the game man but I, I i'm so happy christian that you came on um i'm really happy that i was able to talk to you about pop music and a little bit about your career for a little bit and share some good stories and thank you so I, much oh you're so welcome and i and i implore the listener to check out the phil's the Tattletales, the Unlovables, um, on Bandcamp or wherever you find your uh, music, mm -hmm. um, whether it's Spotify or wherever. And also check out What's Good with Christian, his podcast. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Music, and where else? Only Spotify, actually. Oh, it's, only it's Spotify. It's a Spotify exclusive because I play full songs via this Anchor app. Oh, okay. That's what I used to. And I yeah. um, that's why my first... Uh, first like 15 episodes of the podcast were strictly on on spotify yeah. Uh, let me, yeah i need to yeah we'll talk about that too actually yeah it's 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 i i love that i love the app but like i just kind of learned how to you know i found out if i get bands send me tr tracks i can kind of avoid into only being stuck on one platform so mm, cool cool yeah cool. but i'll yeah i'll show I'll, I'll tell you a little ins and outs about that yeah 
thanks so much for having me, man. It was a great conversation, and I really appreciate you wanting to talk. Oh, of course, man. Uh, any anything anything you have coming up in the future? Um, musically, no. To be honest, uh, maybe just chilling, trying to do maybe the I should thing. get it. I, maybe I should get in on that. <laughs> <laughs> I should plan something. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, Christian, like I said, thank you so much for being on. It was a hell of a good time talking to you. Thanks, man, and getting to know you a little bit better, man. Cool. Thank you so much. Have a good day, man. Hey, you too, man. I'll, I'll be talking to you here shortly, man. All right, cool. Okay, later.